If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. I'm here today with Zach Bloxham. Thank you, Zach, for being here. Thank you for having me. So I know you because you serve on city council in Layton, and we've had some bonding experiences through the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through, through the caucus meeting. Yes. Right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. I, will you introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. So I am I serve on the Lake City Council. I've been on there for um, about almost three years now. Okay. And it's my first term, and it's been a great place to learn about my city, learn about where we do great, where we need to do better. And, you know, I have young kids, and I want them to grow up and live in a great city, and I want and who better to, to make those decisions than yourself? So getting involved, I think, is a, a big part of, of what helped me with the, the city council. But our interactions, you know, we're sister cities. So, you know, Kaysville and Layton used to be the same city. My my, we my did, family. Sadly my, for Kaysville. Yeah, my family are way generations back, you know, pioneer ancestry in, in Kaysville. All of them are in Kaysville. Really? Yeah. So, like, so first, so long your, ago your settlers? Park, yeah, your park down there. Barnes uh, Park? Yeah. Down in the, the, I guess, the south end of your city as a monument to some of the original founders of Kaysville. They lived on this little bluff road, and one of them was Robert Burton. Well, that's my great, great, great oh, grandpa. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and it's cool when you, when you do a lot of the, you know, you, you study about that's your neat. family's history, you bind yourself to kind of the, the areas, and it feels a lot more real, you know? And then yeah. I was doing a little bit more research about my family, and, and there was a, a, a nice little, pioneer era cabin that's in on the Layton city property that is also my grandpa. Really? And so, yeah, I'm part kind of his of, family? Yeah, just part of my part of my family. And these are direct grandparents for me from one of them was sixth generation, one of them was fourth generation. And so I, it's just when I decided to run for office and I just found to to be in Layton and Kaysville, like it's almost like not that I felt like I was brought to be here, but it, you know, this is my home. This is where I I feel like I need to be. This is where my ancestors were. And so I want my kids and my grandkids to be here too. I think it's fantastic that you're in public service. I mean, you're in your 30s. A lot of people your age are not interested in politics. In fact, they're very much repelled by it, mm-hmm. especially because of what's going on right now. Is it something that you've always been passionate about? or? Yeah, I love politics. Um, I can't say I ever thought of myself as a candidate. Um, I, I like the you know, horse races and the the, the projections and the policy that goes beyond, you know, in, in campaign politics. and But I remember um, when I was thinking about, I had a thought that I should maybe see about local office. Um, and I, I, it was just kind of a, you know, a, thing, a thought that came into my mind. And I went online and I, I looked up, you know, filing deadlines for Layton City Council. And I just so happened to have logged on to that and Googled that term in the middle of a four-day window that was the filing deadline for Layton City Council. So providential. Yeah. So, you know, one of those things was it wasn't like a promise I was going to win. But right at that moment, I knew, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. 
You yeah, I'm supposed prompting. to do this. I'm supposed to at least try to to get this experience. And if I win, that's great. But if not, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Were you encouraged by anybody or was this completely this was just, random? Yeah, I mean, I I'd had discussions with, with, you know, some confidants about, you know, as you get, you know, you sh- when you get settled in your practice and your family a little bit more, maybe you should run. But it was definitely not something that I had ever thought about doing other than that, having that, that prompting to do that. But what was interesting is that I had been so focused in my entire life before that. If I love politics, it was a very partisan-based politics. And there's some a breath of fresh air with the nonpartisan nature of what you do at a city council. It's true. It is you nice. Know? And at least in where we are, right? Maybe some of our friends in the South, they have partisan city councils and county councils. But with us, it's nonpartisan. And so a lot of the rancor and a lot of the the things that drive people away from politics, you know, doesn't really exist in a municipal government where you have nonpartisan politicians. That doesn't mean there isn't other issues. Right? I, I agree. That it it does. It makes it nice because we can. It's, it was one less thing to yeah to not have in common. Right. And like when I got on the council, um, and especially in the last year, we've we've had a we've had a complete turnover in our council in five years. So I'm now the pro tem of the the council, and I've only been on there for you know about three years. But it's been great to see. There's a lot of differing opinions, right? We may not all vote for the same people in November in the partisan races, but guess what? We don't caucus with that. Mm-hmm. We caucus this together as a council, right? Because we need to make nice. these decisions as a council because we're trying to make this decision as a body, right? Whereas in the other things, it seems like it's very, you know, it's you have your us versus them. Whereas in one of our votes, I might be, you know, voting with these other two people and on the other one I might be voting for another two people but right. no one asks the questions about that it's all just it's about true. how you get to the best situation for the city and so that's one of the things I think if people are wanting to be involved and especially maybe younger people and they're kind of put off by the the rancor of the partisanship in our world nowadays is to look at the nonpartisan side look at what your city government is doing and look how you can become involved because trust me there's a lot of things that the younger generation you know, the millennials and, and even below that can bring to the table because we're the ones you right. know, raising kids. Right. Your right? kids are in the schools. Yeah. And, and so, crosswalks matter. Right. And so, you know, if we want to try to make a plan about water, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be great for, for us, but it's really going to be effective for making a water plan for our kids so they can find, have a place to live, so they can, you know, have a yard or they can have drinking water or whatever <laughs> it may be. It's important. And those services about, you know, public service and, and, and police and fire, all those things are what make a community together. And that's what brings a neighborhood together. And I think the nonpartisan style of, of community government, it's really just neighbors talking with each other and deciding how best they want their city. Well, and it, and it works so well on a city level. So you'd think that maybe someday, I know we're not set up like this, but it would be nice to be able to have more of that camaraderie. Yeah. Because we were able to say, I'm not a Republican or anything. I'm just, I'm a person who loves my community and let's work on it and let's fix it. Yeah. And it is nice. And at the end of the day, you can still be friends. Right. You can vote against something and still be friends. Yeah. And it's completely nice. You could be neighbors. And one and of the things that I, I ran on when I, I ran for election is I I promised, I made a campaign promise that I would um, explain every vote that I took on the city council. And I would explain it on the little Facebook page or on my website. Um, and that was a way for me to feel like, 
I was accountable to the people and they could see why I do things, right? Because people don't have a lot of time. It's, you know, at, it's on a Thursday night or whenever. And, you know, they have soccer games and dance classes sure. and, and piano recitals. They have all that stuff. So I understand why people can't be as involved as they want to be. But if they can see the discussion that we may have had and why I decided what I did and why the council decided what they did, you know, it helps them feel more connected to the community. It helps them feel connected to what what we're trying to accomplish. And they may not, they may not agree with the decision, but they can but at they least understand, understand it. it. And so I, I get people who message me and say, hey, thanks for explaining that. I was curious of where you were even coming from or why, why you decided that. I don't agree, but I ma- it makes sense. I understand where you're coming from. And that's what that's what representative government should be. It should be responsive to the people. Because I, I don't. I'm not going to go up there and if I get a hundred people in my brain tell me that they want to do X and I think it's wrong, I'm mm-hmm. not going to vote that way, mm-hmm. right? I'm the Good trustee. I'm going right. to vote for how I feel is best. I'm going to listen to what they say. But hopefully, over oh, through this experience, people will say, you know, this person listens to me. And they value what I say. And I have changed my mind with people who have come up with information because I'm all trying to make the best decision, right? Absolutely. And people, I know, I say people, personally, I respect someone who can explain to me why they think the way they do, even when I don't agree. And when they're doing it in a way that's not trying to convince me to agree. Right. You know, they're just able to say, okay, this is what I did and this is why. And how can you argue with that? Right. You know, yeah, it's they, just someone's opinion. And, it's great. And when someone tells you something, even if you disagree with them, they, they feel like they've been heard. You've probably heard that at a city council meeting, right? When mm-hmm. someone gets up and they're giving a, you may not agree with anything they said, and you they may, may not even decide the issue in the matter they want it to be decided. But if they get up there and they've actually spoke it and they've had an interaction, they feel heard. And that's what it, that's what it's all about. It's been interesting, though, because... A lot of the nationalization of politics, we see that in the city in city council, mm-hmm. right? Where they think that it's like this, yeah, this drag out battle, and everyone's corrupt, right? And- everyone's corrupt, everyone's bought off. Which you know, maybe there's some people that are, but I'll I can just speak for our council and there is is that there's no one bought off. <laughs> right. We're just trying to do the best we can, Same with ours. you know, right. with with the situation and and. And it's been nice because if they can see the government that's closest to them, that's more responsive to them, that answers their questions, that answers their emails, that is accountable to them, then it might help them with a better feeling about government in whole. So we can't fix what's going on in the national scene, right? Right. But in our local level, we can fix where we have our own stewardship. And hopefully that starts to bubble up and it starts to make it a better world where people don't feel like government doesn't respond to them because we yeah. shouldn't have to nationalize things. And I really get, so one thing I get upset about with, with city politics is people acting as if we're, that, that it has the same kind of, you know, just nitty gritty, you know, fist fighting that mm-hmm. you have in, in national races. No one hopefully is making a decision based on anything other than what they think is best at a city level. And if, if there's more people involved, then you get better decisions. You know, I found that to be absolutely true, especially here in Davis County, because this is where we're interacting mm-hmm. with our neighboring cities and our communities and my own council. And it's true. We're, we're just people from the community trying to make good decisions. And we get along. And it's fantastic. And I think that we're really lucky in this county specifically to have really good relationships. Yeah. It, it's nice to show up and to have friends and to be able to see people. 
One of the most fun experiences I've had lately was the county convention. Yeah. So I'm a delegate, as you know, and I was able to be in the vote counting room. Mm-hmm. Is that how we refer to sure. it? And you were in charge. Yeah. How did that happen? So yeah, there there was a, a need for someone to just come in and kind of be a, a, a chair of the elections, which obviously is a very, you know, hyper hyper partisan issue nowadays, right? Where so the party a very trusted position. Yeah, the party asked me to do it because I I think that they had seen that I you know I I I have a legal background. You know, I'm not a judge. I'm a lawyer, um, but. I just want what's right, what's fair, right? I and I was not. I made sure I was not a delegate. No I was agenda. not connected to any can, any candidate whatsoever, um, and just trying to to discharge the duties of being the head of that, you know, county convention. It's a big and deal. And all the stuff that went on there in an election, in a way that's just good, you know, the yeah, way fair, that, that people feel fair and transparent, honest. right? And so I invited. Um, we have ranked choice voting. And in the in the convention, and we had a bunch of races. We had some county conv- county commissioner races. We had um, we had some, we had some sta- senate races, some state senate some races, s- some house and races. some house races. And there was people campaigning for their jobs, campaigning for their livelihoods, campaigning you know for what they felt was best. But you were in the ballot counting room, and you could see that we were trying to be as transparent as possible. Absolutely. Everybody had a had a poll watcher in there. They could see what was going on. They were able to freely walk around the they room. They freely walk around the room. And observe. Yeah, and that, that we made decisions based on on the intent of the voters, and we tried to, to make the, the best of the situation. And it's interesting, though, because we, we had some races that were quite Tight. We did, right? didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was interesting to see. And one of the one of the races, the county uh, commissioner race, the difference between second and third was one vote, meaning that if that third third person was, they would be eliminated, mm-hmm. right? And and then the, the top two would would advance. Well, we that's one vote, right? That changes the difference between. So, and we had just regular people, right? Mm-hmm. Regular, you know, Joes and Janes. From around the community, yourself included, right. counting these races, right? There's nobody with any sort of bias. They're just counting. We're just being just helpful. counting it, mm-hmm. right? Right. And we recounted that race, I think, four or five times just to make sure that it was right. I remember. Called over the the poll watchers from the candidate who was going to lose and said, we've counted this race multiple, multiple times, but I just want you to, do you have any questions about what's been going on here? And it was. The, and the poll watcher said, no. Yeah. Lost by one vote. I mean, that's a terrible thing. Yeah, it's a terrible thing you know, to be we, so we, close. We both ran, a, we both ran for election, mm-hmm. right? And to lose an election by one vote is just, I mean, you can't get worse than that. <laughs> you really can't. That's you know? so hard. But the hope was is that once we, once we could have that discussion with the poll watchers and people could see this was an open process, that they'd feel like, you know, that they, their voice was heard, right? Yeah. It really, it, it, it really strengthened my opinion about ballot counting. And, and the process. It reinforced my opinion, which was that things were done very, very honestly. That's that's what I believed about, especially about Davis County. And it really reinforced that because being in the room and watching how many different times we were recounting, we were making sure we were double checking, and people were walking around watching. It was very transparent and it was a great process. And it was really neat to be a part of that process because that's seriously where the rubber meets the road. I mean, that's where people win elections. Yeah. And it was 
It was cool to be part of that as part of our history. Well, thanks for saying yes. I had to have some people I trusted to count it because, <laughs> well, thank you, for you know, no one that can be connected to, can, to candidates, you know. And it's it's one of those things where election security is an important issue, right? And I, it should not be swept, swept under the rug. It's in, super important. Um, and we, if we can't have, if we can't believe that our races, that our election, that our vote counts or that it's not being counted right, right you know, that's an issue. And and I think that the state of Utah has done a really good job of of being a, a state that values voter registration, values voter ID, but also knows that, that the vote should be counted in a way that's 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 secure, right? That we can do yeah. that you that, that just because you're a conservative state doesn't mean you can't do mail in balloting. I prefer I get my mail in ballot, I look it over and then I go vote in person. Because oh, do you? I, I, I prefer the personal vote. Uh, I, do you just I, like I the like, tradition yeah, of it? I like the tradition of it. It's not that I don't think my vote's going to be counted properly, but I also don't want to vote early because you don't ever know, right? Right. Things, you know? things happen. Two days before the election, something might come out if you send that ballot in three days early and maybe uh, yeah, you would change your mind, mm, right? That's true. and But, but then that's... Ah, oh, that's hard. But everybody has a different opinion, right? right? And and that's the nice thing is that I think that our... We have the option. Our elections uh, laws... Can always be that can always be strengthened, not to disenfranchise, but to make make it more effective, make it more efficient, and to to make sure that that all the votes are counted, all legal votes are counted, mm-hmm. and anybody that wants to vote can vote. Right? If I represent a, a sweet little old lady up in East Layton who can't go to the polling place, mm-hmm. I want her to get her mail-in ballot, and I want her to be able to fill it out and just stick it in the mail because her vote counts as much as me, who can drive to the polling place on election day. Absolutely. It's it's a great system. I did walk away from that convention shaking my head as far as ranked choice voting goes. Um, it was my first experience with it, actually seeing how it works, and I I don't like it. Yeah, I'm very comfortable with the the normal. You vote for one person, and that's that's a person. So yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of ranked choice voting. Um, for constitutional reasons. I I just feel like one person, one vote. Right? I agree. And if if there's three people on the ballot and you vote for the third place candidate first and you vote for the other two second and third and then your candidates removed you get your vote counted again right mm-hmm. so your your vote gets counted again just because your 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 you know candidate lost and i think that a lot of the ranked i've i've spoke to a lot of the ranked choice proponents out there and i do think their hearts in the right place i think they see that there's this polarization and and they're trying to solve this polarization but i don't think that ranked choice voting is the is the remedy for that because i, I think it actually um i think it actually elevates the extreme voices because i think the people the people whose votes get counted more who end mm-hmm. up making the difference in the end are the people whose candidates are are not selected first or second they're, they're exactly the, and so you're you're bringing up the people who are um who are not necessarily representative of the of the people which is exactly what ranked choice voting is designed or intended to do mm-hmm. additionally if you have a bunch of people who are Let's go back to my 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 analogy of the little little sweet old lady up in Layton. Mm-hmm. I want her ballot to look, and I want her. I want to be able to tell her how her vote was counted. Exactly right. And right. and on these the ranked choice voting is there, and they saw it down in Sandy City, I believe, where they had a bunch of recounts. And there comes a point where you can't do that, where mm-hmm. you can't really track where these ballots go, because it's just it's, they're changing hands. Yeah, there's quite too often. many things going on. Whereas I think that I don't think that the problem with our electoral system is our is 
the winner-take-all formula. I think it's that we need better candidates. We need kinder candidates. We need candidates and people who are more involved, mm -hmm. and we need people who are more representative of the people. That's what will help our, our system. I don't think ranked choice voting will do that. Um, because if you have a bunch of people who don't want to finish the, the ballot, right, they only vote for one person, their vote gets, their ballot gets quote unquote exhausted, right? Meaning that they, they, they only voted, they once, only voted then... once. One of the things, one of the things that proponents of, of ranked choice voting say is they say, well, I'll allow someone to get a majority. But it's actually a majority of the people whose ballots are not exhausted, not a majority of the people who voted. It, it, absolutely. And that's why it's so confusing to even explain it to people. Yeah. And until I was able to be in the room doing it, processing it, it was very confusing to yeah. me. And still, even after, as I think back on it, it's a little bit confusing because you're, you, you end up with your vote choosing your third place person and they, they can win, yeah. which is weird. And it and it I think so, it incentivizes people who are kind of orthodox who don't want to do that, where they they vote for one person. Mm -hmm. So it's it's almost like that they they've changed the they've changed the dynamics and the incentives of voting because you not only have to look at who that's my candidate, right? That right. that's con that's the American way. That that's how we do balloting. That's how we've always done balloting. Mm -hmm. Who is my candidate? Right. This person, this this woman is my candidate. I'm going to vote for her. And then you have to have this, it, it just complicates something that doesn't necessarily have the benefits that they're seeking to have. It. Well, it does. And for, for the people, like you said, who only want one vote, one, ba one person, um, one ballot, then their vote doesn't count. Right. It literally doesn't count. Yeah. If, if that and candidate is removed, and they, then they, their vote isn't counted. Their voice yeah. is gone from, the, from yeah. the equation. And that doesn't seem like a fair yeah. system. And so I, I think that not the, a fan. the way we go about it in, in Utah, we have a secure election system. And we just need better candidates. We need more candidates. We need, we need people who are willing to stand up and say, I want to be your choice. Because I, I just, it's, it's looking for a, a solution for something that I don't think is broken. You know. That's good. That's a good way to say it. So as we're talking about candidates and people being a little bit more kind, <clears throat> it reminds me of Twitter. You know, there's so much going on on Twitter. And it's really, it's just, it's just so divided. You can clearly tell who's on team A and mm -hmm. who's on team B, and there's really no middle ground. And if you happen to be on one team and you say it out loud, um, you get destroyed. Yeah, I've had so many people tagging me in tweets about people that I support. As, as a personal private resident, mm -hmm. I can support people. As a mayor, I can support people. And um, I've heard a lot of complaints from people and a lot of support as well. But people who are supportive tend to not share. Yeah, thankfully, Twitter's not the real world. It, it's not, I, but I'm it sure seems that. like that. But what, what I saw a study when yesterday it's quoted that on said, the news and yeah, totally. It, 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 it is the public square, mm -hmm. but it also allows people to to say things that they typically, hopefully, wouldn't say. In, and maybe don't even face. truly believe. Right? And that don't truly believe it. I, I think it's a lot of it is just kind of a venting exercise. I, I think it's just fun um, for people. I, I was active on Twitter for, for years, had a, a fun time on there, met a lot of wonderful people. Um, but the, it came to a point, I think, with, with Twitter is that it, it, it had diminishing returns. Right. It was. What are you getting out of this <laughs> right. anymore? Is this it really worth the time that you're spending on this? Because the people who are on Twitter are not representative of your community. 
right? I mean, looking back at like the uh, the the GOP Senate primary, I have some friends who are just they they are on Twitter a lot, and they are were convinced that Mike Lee was gonna lose. Okay, and this isn't even a this isn't even an endorsement of Senator Lee, but they were convinced. Because the only people that they interact with are, are, there are like the minded people, people like-minded who are going to try to vote out Mike Lee. Similarly, on Facebook, there was a group of people who are good conservative people, and they were convinced that all of the incumbents that were running in the GOP primary this last go-around were going to be defeated. All yeah. the ones they wanted out, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the vote comes out, and it's not even close. None of those races are close. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's... these people who are on one side of the GOP saying, we're going to vote out Mike Lee, they were in a little, nice little bubble. And it very didn't disappointed. Work, very disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then you had these people on, on Facebook who are more to the right who were very disappointed about the outcome as well. And I just think that those kind of mediums, Twitter and Facebook, have use. It's but true, they if, do. But... If you become... If you become if you don't ever interact with anyone who disagrees with you, that's probably a red light, you know, <laughs> probably a red flag there. You should probably Absolutely. be expanding your horizons a little bit because the world's a little bit bigger than you think it is. And that can't feel good to feel that kind of, you know, you know, the rug pulled out from under you when you think the world's this way and it's not. And you see that in national politics, right? Mm-hmm. When Donald Trump wins the election, you have people who, who literally could not think of Donald Trump ever winning an election and there's just they are completely shocked well they hadn't really maybe spoken to people who would have voted for donald trump four years later you have people who are you know on the trump train who are totally shocked that he wasn't reelected. like i think both of those outcomes if you were to talk to people both those outcomes i don't think you could foresee they were absolutely going to happen but it shouldn't have been a shock that trump was elected or that he wasn't reelected, right yeah but if, I but if you were totally you know, caged into your own little ideology, and you only only conduct talk to people who di- who agreed with you. It's true. Both of those experiences would have been completely shocking. Well, and it's true. And people that are completely unwilling to listen to any other opinion, yeah. and that's what happens right there. I think with some of these elections being so surprising, it's because a lot of people that are are posting on social media, they're doing it for notoriety. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily what they actually think. And I think that that's what happens when you get to a ballot box. Yeah. And and you, you know, vote your conscience. Right. And I think that sometimes people vote differently than they speak. Yep, the silent vote. So, mm-hmm. Silent majority. And, and people are just kind of nervous about sharing their opinions. I was going to ask you, so after having that county convention experience, do you have any opinions about gathering signatures, about the delegation, about the caucus system? Yeah, I mean... From a, this isn't my opinion. This is would just be my. Uh, I think the caucus system is on its last legs. Really? Yeah. I I, I don't foresee legislature legislators um, ever putting themselves in a position that like Representative Handy's in, because the delegates are a specific group of people, and they are super interested in in certain issues, and they show up. And so how can, how can somebody who shows up at the, the caucus meeting, who goes in and runs as a delegate, who goes to their county convention and who votes for X candidate, and then how can they be perceived as the bad guy? 
they were the one who were active. Absolutely, right? they, doing they the were work. the one who were active. They were the one that vetted the candidate. They didn't. They won their. They won to be a delegate. Mm-hmm. And they so worked hard. I'm a little. I, I I guess I don't understand how some of the narrative has been turned against the, the caucus goers and the delegates as if. They were As the, if they're the problem. Yeah, I mean, you could disagree with what they're saying, but that's the rules, right? Right. It, Everyone it, right. knew the rules going in, right? Mm-hmm. You could gather signatures, or you couldn't, or you didn't have to. But if you didn't gather signatures, then you it seems like risk. you run a risk, right? But I think that because of what happened in the convention and what happened subsequent to that, I think that I would be shocked if any elected official in the future ever went into a convention without having to gather signatures. It's, Do you see, it's, it's political malpractice at this point. Uh, right. Absolutely. Now, that doesn't mean that, that you should automatically gather signatures. There were, there were elected officials at that convention who chose not to gather signatures and who went outright at convention. And were yeah. done. And we're fine, mm-hmm. right? But I just don't think that, that if, if you're giving any sort of consultation to a candidate who wants to, to run for one of these offices, that, that you would you would go that route because it's one one time and if it doesn't work out, then you're going to have to gather signatures and it's going to be difficult to be an uphill climb. All that being said, I don't then see um, why people could be upset about a write-in candidacy because if, if you really believe you're the best candidate, right, and you're carrying the, bad, the banner of and a party. And you're also doing the work then. And you're doing the work, mm-hmm. then you should put, you should feel like that this, the that anybody who wants to write in a candidacy is an inherent weakness as it is, that you have the strength. And if you really do have the best candidacy, you should feel strong that you should be able to carry that. Um, I actually, when some of the stuff that was happening in District 16, which is not in my district, I, they represent a, a, good, a good chunk of my city. And I know both of the gentlemen who are, who are running um, or who could win, I guess, because I don't know the other gentleman from the Libertarian Party. But um, I, I talked to a, a gentleman of friend of mine from Florida. And I said, I told him about what was going on and how there was this writing candidacy. And he was completely shocked because in, in his state, there's the um, sore loser law, which doesn't allow you to write, run a write-in candidacy. Oh, really? Um, if you've lost for that particular race. Really? Yeah. So what, 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 is, what is possible in District 16 is actually not possible in Florida because they would be barred from running that from the sore loser law. Meaning if you lost in trying to go for this specific seat in convention or in a nominating process of some kind with a pr- particular political party, you're not allowed to, to run a write-in candidacy. So it'll be interesting to see when the legislature gets back. They've all seen that race. Mm-hmm. They all know what <laughs> Everybody's happens, Everybody's paying right? attention. And some of the, some of the, the caucus goers are almost going to, I would say, going to be um, the victims of their own success. That if the caucus system and the convention system loses its, its strength and everybody who goes into, a, into anybody who runs for office just gathers signatures and just circumvents the, the caucus system and the convention process, they're going to be victims of their own success because they were successful in... in in doing what they did in the last convention, I'm not sure they're mm-hmm. going to have a chance to do that anymore. You think that that will be kiboshed yeah. in the next session? If, it, if it's not kiboshed by the legislature, I think that, as I mentioned, I would, I would be shocked if any of the candidates who are running don't, don't simply don't do just that. get signatures. I, the whole system, it, it's hard as I look at it because system or signature gathering is expensive. Mm-hmm. At least I've been told. I've never done it myself. But I've heard it's really expensive. Hundred thousand dollars, eighty thousand dollars. 
if you hire a company to do it, or you can do it yourself. But I mean, that's a lot of ground to cover. It's really difficult to get all of those signatures on your own. So it kind of, on one hand, it, it makes it so that it's not that fair. Totally. And just like any election, I guess, you can raise money or not raise money. But but also, like you said, those people who are delegates, they cared enough to show up. It was a rainy night during the caucus nights when, when caucus night. nights like, were held. Yeah. Um, it really rainy, poor, poor attendance. Some, some districts, some caucus areas had maybe two people show up. Mm-hmm. And so they both became delegates for state and, yeah. and county. And so it's our own fault in yeah. a way. That yeah. we're not more involved. But I, th- but I think I think it's a good. You, you make a good point about the cost of the signature gathering because, you know, we just we spent some time previously talking about how we need better candidates, right? And the better candidates aren't aren't always the moneyed candidates. Not right? always, no. And so, if we really want people to be involved in their state legislature and potentially run for for some of these positions, you know, we don't want to make it a a money system. You know, and that was the beauty of the convention system, right? Is that you could Anyone you could run. file, you could run, and you could have a chance to stand in front of those delegates, and you could you could give your pitch, and you would hope that they would support you, right? That that's there's something American about that, and so um, I think that the 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 narrative on the conventions has turned so so drastically, and I understand why, but I think we we looking down on the convention system as a whole. I, I think does a disservice to the people who really care about their country, and if if the people who are mad about the outcomes of those those conventions, the remedy is sure you could legislate it, you could make you could gather signature, but the real remedy is to show up, show up at the conven- show up at the caucus meeting, and show up at the conventions, right? And it would be more representative of the party as a whole. But if you don't show up, then it's hard for, for me to feel really too bad about you complaining about the outcome when you were doing something else on that Tuesday night. Well, you make a really good point, and that's that's the truth of it. The truth is we need people to be involved at, at every level, but especially locally. Yeah. Especially where these big decisions that affect our lives so intimately and so directly and so immediately happen in our cities. And for the most part, a lot of people just don't really care. And and in a way, that's kudos to the cities because I think that means that people are running them well and we're we're doing a good job, and that's great too. Yeah. But these elections matter. They do. You know, as we make state decisions. And that's what's nice about county decisions. That's what's nice about city council, right? Mm. Is that you know there there isn't a convention caucus system, right? We just we you, show up and you we pay the little twenty five dollar. You know, right? You pay your fee, filing fee, and you you're and on. you can you can go out and put up signs, and you can go out and and be a candidate. That was one of the one of the, I guess, most rewarding things. It was kind of scary, though. I remember when I ordered my first signs, and I opened the box, and it had my name on it, and it was just like, oh, <laughs> well, this, this is, is kind of real now. You know, I'm gonna go put this out and and you're committed and tell people that I should vote that they should vote for me. And honestly, one of the I had a lady at we did a debate. Um, and I remember this this lady came up to me and she she handed me uh, $20. And she said, thank, thank, I just want to give you this to help you out. You That's really sweet. Major day, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Major I night. mean, it was just like, thank you. Because I'd given, I'd given money to candidates before, but I had never had anybody give anything to me. 
And even if I never had won or anything like that, like I'll always remember the person who came up to said that I earned their vote or that they, they gave me, you know, 20 bucks to help me buy some new signs or something like That's that. That's really neat. You know, and, and I think if more people were, would be willing to kind of step out of their comfort zone and realize that they have a lot to add to the cities mm-hmm. and that we need some new and dynamic people from different industries and different backgrounds. That's what makes the city function the best is when we have differing people. Absolutely. Differing outcomes, differing ideas. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what makes the city run well, I think. I agree, Zach. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. It's Thanks been, for having me. It's been interesting to get to know you. To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.